This is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Souls to Save number three. But with Epic Week, first of all, how awesome was Epic Weekend last weekend? Wasn't it amazing? I don't know about you, but I got so many personal revelations through Epic Weekend last week, and it's just amazing how God uses somebody from the outside, like Tim Bennett, to come and speak to exactly where we are as a church right now, isn't it? Could you feel the unity messages throughout all of all four of his sermons? It was amazing. So that's what this, this series is at its most basic. The week before that, we started out Souls to Save, first sermon of the year, first sermon series of the year, and it was called We Are His House, right? We Are His House, and it was acknowledging the fact that we used to be outsiders, sinners, knew nothing of the grace that comes from Jesus Christ, and then we are now a part, we're in, right? We, we get to be in to the house of God and a part of the body of Christ, and so we should continually put away the things that pull us back from that the secrecy, the stubbornness, the selfishness, right? Do you remember this? I know it was a long two weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So this, this series is really a church unity series at its most basic. Because with unity, we'll accomplish the jobs that we have been assigned, right? As a church, we've got souls to save. Amen. We've got a job to do. We've got souls to save. And so we have to become effective at the job that we were assigned because why else would any of this be worth it, right? Is it worth it to get up early on a Sunday morning just to go and sing some songs and kumbaya and then leave? Or is there more purpose behind this? Is it worth something? We've got souls to save, and it has to be worth it. God creates productive things, and he prunes productive things to make them more productive. We have to move with one step toward one goal. It's not uniformity, though, remember. It's unity. We don't all have to be alike. In fact, what a dull place that would be, right? We don't want all Candaces in the church. Believe me, it would be a lame church. <laughs> There'd be no music because I can't do the songbird thing like Aaron and Tommy, right? There'd, there'd be a lot of dullness if it were all Candace's. We don't need that. In fact, we've been called to vibrancy, all of us using our unique gifts and talents to pour into the body of Christ, but moving toward one goal. Mark 3.25 says, a divided, a house divided against itself cannot stand. It's vital because of our job, because we've got souls to save, that we remain in unity. And so how do we do that? <laughs> how do we do that? And what do we do right now towards that? We started out last week, two weeks ago, in Ephesians 2. And I don't know how many of you were in the 1115 service last week, but Tim Bennett even preached on Ephesians 2. <laughs> it just perfectly fit in to this series. So today we're going to move on to the next chapter, Ephesians 3, and read a portion of it starting in verse 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Can you see how Paul is trying to, to pull us all together? 
And forget about the differences. There's no Jew or Gentile here. We're all together in this. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, would you consider the greatest missionary to have ever lived (laughs) the least deserving? And yet Paul is the one saying it. I am the least deserving of all God's people. He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ Jesus. Paul was writing this from a prison cell. Was it really a privilege, Paul? Right? Graciously gave me the privilege. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display. Use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety. Does that sound like vibrancy to anyone else? his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now, just for a second, let me stop there because when I read through this verse for the first time, I was like, yeah, sure, the church is meant to display goodness to the world. And then I was like, wait, no, but that's not what it said, is it? See, I was thinking in still very physical human senses that God's Wisdom is used to display his goodness to our enemies, to the evil people in this world, right? To each other. He's going to smite the enemies. I don't know. I had a very Old Testament point of view maybe, but that's not what it says. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Not to the evil governments, of the world, but the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He's talking about spiritual warfare. We win the war in the spiritual, not in the physical. See, this is the message of the New Testament, really. It's getting our eyes off of each other as the enemy and seeing evil itself as the enemy. Satan himself is the enemy. We have to win the war in the spiritual. In verse 11, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here, i.e. he's in prison. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots, Jason talked about a seed, remember? Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Ephesians, through this series, is actually becoming really dear to me. It's a book that's teaching us how to be a church. Every single sentence in this paragraph, it, it, I could preach a whole sermon just on each sentence, each word, probably. But when I, I read your, your 
roots will grow down deep. As I was reading this, I got this picture of, of a tree with deep roots growing down into the soil, growing big and beautiful and becoming a home for a squirrel or, or a bird maybe and providing shade for a few. But then I also got this picture of a forest growing up around that tree. And I thought about how many more creatures that forest would serve than just the one tree by itself. And I thought about how forests work together. Have you heard the scientific evidence that trees actually communicate through their roots, which are dug down deep into God's love? Remember, hold on to this picture with me. And how they create their own ecosystems. Forests create their own ecosystems. They have creatures living all through them. They provide for those creatures. And each tree building its own branches and leaves, but also working together for the health of the forest. This is the picture of the church. The picture of the body of believers. We should be working together in unity to create healthy ecosystems of life and purpose and power with our roots dug down deep into God's love. See, the enemy wants to isolate us. The enemy wants to tell you that you're alone in this, that no one else has ever gone through what you've gone through, that nobody else could possibly understand. It's one of his greatest lies, actually. It's directly against the purpose and plan of what God had in mind for the church. We're meant to be a body of believers working together, understanding each other, encouraging each other, finding common ground with our roots dug down deep into God's love. That's how we get fed, so we can communicate with each other. See, I got this picture through this passage. <sighs> Honestly, I was stressing last week a bit. Can I just be real with you all this morning? I, I felt like it all came down to me. Like, throughout this series, I, I have to teach more, I have to preach more, I have to spend more time one-on-one. -on -one. If, if I could just talk to more people, if I could just mentor more people, if, if I just had more hours in the day, everything would be fixed, <laughs> right? I know it sounds arrogant now coming out of my mouth, but that's, it was arrogant, if we can just call it what it is, but I just thought that maybe if I just had more time, I could fix everything, right? I could make us all get along. I, I, could, I could work it all out. And then I thought, but I, I can't, God. I'm not possibly ever going to be enough to do that. So we're doomed, right? Uh, the weight of the world on my shoulders. I don't know what to do, God, until I realized I'm actually not the Savior. <sighs> right? Shouldn't be that big of a revelation. But for some reason it was. I'm actually not the Savior. I'm not the Savior of Freedom Valley Church. I'm not the Savior of any one of you. I'm not the Savior of myself. I'm not the Savior. I can't do it on my own. And oh my goodness, that's freeing. <laughs> I don't have to do it on my own. All I have to do is the next right thing, the next assignment from God, trusting that he cares more about this church, my family. He cares more about you than I do. <laughs> right? The creator of all things. There's a reason why Paul calls him that a couple times in this passage. To remind himself that he is in charge. He created 
all the things. And as a pastor, it's, it's actually my only my job to equip the saints, not to do all the work for the saints. It says that in the very next chapter, if you want to read it, Ephesians 4. There are five ministry gifts that God gave the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And their job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, not do all the work themselves. Meaning I can't ever do enough, preach enough, be enough for you. In fact, I can never do all of that enough to fix all y'all's issues. That's where you laugh because it's okay. (laughs) Uh, Because I can't fix my own. Right? I can never teach enough, model enough, lead enough in the whole world to fix my own issues. How could I ever fix yours, right? That's Jesus' job, and he's already done it. He did it really well. Why, why would I try to step in and do that for him? I, I can't. I'm never going to measure up to that. So are we just doomed? <laughs> we can never fix ourselves. We can never fix each other. We're just doomed, right? No, actually. God sent his son, Jesus, to pay the price for us, to be victorious for us. He's already won the war, and he sent us a helper. Paul talks about the Holy Spirit in this passage. Right? That our power comes, uh, unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, verse 16 says that we just read. Meaning, Unity in the church doesn't come from just the pastor working harder or doing more counseling meetings, fixing our issues, uh, unwrinkling us, right? It doesn't come from that. Unity in the church actually comes from Holy Spirit being in the church. And the Holy Spirit is in the church when unity is in the church. And unity comes from the Holy Spirit being in the It's sort of cyclical, <laughs> I can't be enough or do enough, neither can you. It's the Holy Spirit being in each one of us. And if you think about that picture of a forest, each one of us have to have our roots down deep into his love, down deep into the Holy Spirit so that we can work together to create our own ecosystem of life and power and purpose. That's the picture of the church. There have been some times when people will come to me and say, I've never um, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I've gone up. I've I've responded to altar calls. I just feel like I haven't gotten there. How do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I say, well, you pray and you get it. That's the picture from the, the, the word. But when we pray and they still don't receive it, there's something blocking that, right? So I've often thought about it as... um, The Holy Spirit is a way to empower us to get the job done. So if you don't have anything in mind to do with that power, why would God give you more? He has unlimited resources, but resources aren't used for no purpose. God is productive, remember? When he does something, he's doing something. He is a productive God. He has unlimited resources. See, I have a small amount of wisdom that I might be able to help someone with, but he has unlimited wisdom. I have a small amount of leadership gifting maybe, but he has unlimited resources. I have a small amount of discernment or stewardship ability or prophecy or healing, but he has unlimited resources and he wants to give it to you 
if you'll use it for his purpose. We cannot change the world with the message of the gospel without the Holy Spirit at work within us. We are not enough. We're not kind enough. We're not happy enough. We're not welcoming enough. We're not talented enough. We're not good enough. We're not. And he can do the most within and through me when I understand that. When I am at my least, he is at his best. I had this revelation this week, which again shouldn't be that much of a revelation, but I think I had reverted to relying on myself too much, thinking that I was the Savior. If I just had more time, if I was just a better leader, if I, if I was just whatever, I, I could fix it all. And I came to this conclusion, and just going to be real, can I just be real with you all this morning? My conclusion was, I suck. <laughs> But not in a pity party kind of way. Not in a, like, tell me good things about myself so I don't feel like I suck all the time. But in a just a very real way, like, all the good things about me are Jesus. Every good thing from me, for me, in me is Jesus. On my own, I'm nothing. 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 It was a new level of humility in my soul. It's just so freeing. I don't have to be enough. He already is. He is so good. When I let him work, when I stop putting myself in the way all the time, I just understand and own the fact that I am flawed and sinful and human. Not that I should stay there but I should tap into the power of the Holy Spirit and allow him to change me from the inside out. I don't have to strive. Right? That song we sang today, there's no striving in his grace. There's no striving. We don't have to just try to be better and do better and kill ourselves in the process. We just tap into the love of the Holy Spirit. He does that work for us. It's his job to convict us, change us, from the inside out. But he's, he's not going to control you, though. He's going to inspire you. He might change your wants and desires, but you have to step out in faith. Cultivate your talent so that the ne- when the next wave of, the, of his presence comes, you're ready. See, something clicked into place for me this week, last weekend, actually, when Tim Bennett said at our Sunday night prayer service, he said, the Holy Spirit tends to come in waves like the ocean, comes in waves, and you have to sort of jump onto a wave and catch it, right? Ride it in. It comes in waves. And as I was thinking about this concept this week and, and how it's all the Holy Spirit, I, I didn't want us to get the wrong impression that the Holy Spirit will do all the work, right? We don't rely on ourselves. This not, is not a works-based gospel, but uh, we, don't, we can't rely on him completely either. He empowers us to do the work, right? He gives us the power to do the work. And I started to think about the parable of the talents found in Matthew 25. Uh, It's this story that Jesus tells to explain the kingdom of God. And he says in verse 14, again, the kingdom of God can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. 
He then left on his trip. The servant who had received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how he had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Hear the fear in this. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. Proud of himself, suddenly. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I know this seems like sort of an odd passage. Maybe you've you've heard it before preached in more of a a resources way, managing your money well, um, or managing your gifts and talents that God has given you well. But God sort of revealed to me a truth this week that's underneath all of that. Yes, it's resources. Yes, it's things that God has given you. Yes, it's gifts and talents. But underneath that, there's an anointing. See, it clicked into place for me when I thought of the waves of the Holy Spirit, right? They come crashing in, in waves, just like the master comes. He gives the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and then he seem, it seems like he goes away for a while allows you to use what he's given you to create more. It's not our gifts and talents and abilities. It's not our anointing, and it wasn't the servant's money. They were using it according to what the master had given them. The anointing works the same way. When the Holy Spirit anointing, and when I say that, I mean power from the Holy Spirit, that empowering that you get when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, the baptism falls, and it's always beautiful. I've seen so many people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it's this beautiful moment where they're just overflowing with love. There's always tears involved, right? They feel this boldness they've never felt before, and they walk out of this room feeling empowered, by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit comes on you and he gives you that anointing. And then I feel like he sort of steps back and waits. What are you going to do with that anointing? Some of us, we bury it. Like the servant in the passage, right? We hear a whisper in our souls like, go talk to that person, right? Go tell them Jesus loves them. And we're like, nope, can't do that. 
backing away slowly, right? What if they think I'm weird? What if they think I'm stupid? What, what if I don't have the right words to say, right? We, we get all into our own fear, forget that God gave us the anointing, the power, the purpose, the boldness to do what he's called us to do. Or, or the Holy Spirit whispers, hey, you need to find a place to preach, preach the gospel, go out and proclaim the gospel. And we're like, nope, that's not me. Can't do that. Too scared, right? We bury the anointing. And so when the Holy Spirit comes back, that next wave comes back, the master comes back to see what we've done with what he's given us, we've done nothing. (laughs) And he takes away what little he gave us to begin with. There are those of us that have worked hard. We've gotten the two bags or the five bags. We've gotten a, a big portion of anointing. And so when God speaks, Although it might be a little scary, we know he's a harsh master or whatever he said that, that gets crops he didn't plant, right? But we overcome our fear and we, we use it anyway. In fact, some of us, we even dig down deeper and we start cultivating that gift on our own as well, right? We start researching ways to preach. We watch preachers that we admire and we copy them a little bit, right? We step out in whatever faith God has given us, using it, not burying it allowing fear to overcome. See, there's a balance with the Holy Spirit. He does empower you, but he also asks you to do a little bit of work. Put the time in. And the more you work, the more God will give you. The more you use what he's given you, the more you'll be ready when the next wave comes. The reward for overcoming your last challenge is your next challenge. Soon as you get your feet under you, and I can attest to this, sooner you get the soonest you get your feet under you with a, a new gift that God has given you, He just gives you another one, and you have to learn it all over again and step out in faith all over again, overcoming your fear, putting it to the test, because the reward for overcoming your last challenge is your next challenge. You'll notice when the master came back in this story. He didn't just throw them a party and say, yeah, you get more blessings now. Do you know, did you notice the word that he used? Responsibilities. <laughs> you have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. <laughs> it wasn't just blessings. He didn't shovel him with money that he could go spend on a party and a good time. He gave him more responsibility. Blessings from God often come looking a whole lot like hard work. (laughs) Jesus didn't say you'll get more reward for your efforts. He said more responsibility. It was a promotion for sure, but it was more responsibility. And that in-between time, between waves of the Holy Spirit, between times when the master comes back to check in, we've got some work to do. That work takes time. It takes patience. It takes hard work. It it, it takes faith. My son, my five-year-old son, was sick literally all week this week. Like, just, I thought he'd get over it, and the next day he was sick again. And I kept giving him medicine, you know, different kinds of medicine. We went to the doctor. We got stuff prescribed. It was a mess. But it struck me one day as I was pouring the medicine in the cup to measure it, and he walked away. And it struck me. How that child, how much he trusted me. 
I could have given him anything in that cup, right? Literally anything. And he overcame the bitter taste, which to a five-year-old is a big deal, right? Don't know how to overcome that bitter taste sometimes. He overcame the bitter taste and drank it out of trust in his mama. <laughs> that when I said it would make him feel better, he believed me. Overcoming the bitterness of it and just trusting with a childlike faith that I knew what I was talking about. That's the childlike faith we have to approach this with. Understanding that although it might be a little bitter, it might be a little scary, there's some fear, some stuff that's holding us back, maybe some sin that we have to overcome, maybe some, you know, enjoyments, some comfort that we have to push to the side for a while, some amount of bitterness, we have to get over that and move into the purpose that he has for us because ultimately it will make us better in the end. That childlike faith. So that when the next wave of the Holy Spirit comes, we are ready. And God will not only add to your responsibilities, add to your promotion, he will also multiply it. Because God's math is actually multiplication, not addition. You rarely see him adding. You always see him multiplying. The one with five got much more, not just a couple more. He didn't just add incrementally, one, two, three. Because he was faithful with five, he got many more responsibilities. We say we want to be used by God. But are we willing to put in the work to actually do it? We say we want to be used by God, and then some of us complain that oh, I just nobody will let me preach. That's not the only way to be used by God, right? Do you come to church to be encouraged or do you maybe look around for someone to encourage, right? Stick around after services. Some of us slip in during the first song. We slip out during the last, right? Say, God never uses me. This is where he can use you. This is where you can practice your gifts and talents and and a group of people that agree and aren't going to judge you for it. Right? So that when you go out into the world to try to use them, you're ready. Use them here. Stick around. Look with your eyeballs. That's another thing I always say to my kids. <laughs> right? And my kids come to me and they say, Mom, where are my shoes? They're by the door. Right? Moms always know where the stuff is. So they're by the door. And they would say, I looked there. I didn't see them. And I always say to my kids, go look with your eyeballs this time, maybe. Bet you you'll find them. Right? Don't know what you were looking with before, but it wasn't your eyes. Go look again with your eyeballs. Right? If you're complaining that God doesn't have something for you, somewhere to give, something, someone to pour into, try looking again with your eyeballs. Because I guarantee you there's someone in your life that needs your story, your testimony, your gifts and talents. God doesn't put us in a vacuum. <laughs> Surrounds us with people. You're not isolated and alone. You're actually planted in a place that has other people that need you. Our church is suffering if you're not using your gifts and talents. Someone is suffering. You have the thing, the anointing, the gifting, the talents, the story that could help them. Look with your eyeballs this time. We will never be a unified church without the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. But we have to pursue God with everything we have. And it's going to naturally line up in unity. We're going to naturally flow into the church we were meant to be if we just tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. 
pursue the Holy Spirit and look for people to serve. That's how we become his house. That's how we become the church to display. You know, I, I was getting this picture during worship just now that maybe I wasn't quite done with this message. Now, I called it the church to display because of that verse back in Ephesians. Let's find it real quick. Verse 10 says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display. We want to talk about how church isn't a show, right? We sometimes get criticized. There's too many lights and haze and instruments or whatever. It's a show there. I hope it's a show of humanity, a show of love, a show of passion, a show of vibrancy. We are called to display some things. We're actually called to be the light on the hill. It is a show of something. What are we going to show the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places? We're not out to show the world how good we are. We're not out to uh, give it to our enemies, right? We're out to show the unseen rulers and authorities what we're actually made of. We have some vibrancy, some passion, some selflessness, enough to get the job done. We are called to be a church to display something. Not to our enemies, not to the world, not to the, the, the government. It's not our job to fix everything in the world. That's God's job. He created it. He can handle it. He's good at that, right? Our job is to win the war in the spiritual, to tap into the Holy Spirit and use our gifts, trusting with childlike faith that whatever God calls us to do, he's going to use for his plan. He's going to make us better in the process and his church. We pursue our own personal relationship with Jesus and use the power the Holy Spirit has given us to serve others. If we do all this personally and plug into the church powerfully, God will give us favor with our communities. We won't have to work for it. He'll send us people in droves if he knows that when they show up, there's a church full of people empowered with the Holy Spirit who will listen when he calls he will naturally send us people, and we will be the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety. He'll use us in ways we could never have imagined to spread the gospel and make a difference in lives. We've got souls to save. We've got souls to save. This is more important than we could possibly imagine. It's vital that we understand who we are in Christ and how we interact with the body of Christ because we've got souls to save. Father, we come before you today with humble hearts, understanding that we are not the Savior. You are. and You've already done the work within us. All we have to do is tap into that power. All we have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and bodies and spirits and empower us with boldness to go preach. Father, thank you for sending us into the world to preach the good news. Make us a passionate, vibrant, selfless church, willing to get past our own selfish, sinful natures to unite in unity through the power of your Holy Spirit and move forward with a purpose. 
make us into a beautiful, thriving forest and an ecosystem all unto itself, that we would be a life-giving church. Fueled by your spirit with a passion unprecedented so that we can change the world with the message of the gospel. Heads bowed and eyes still closed. Maybe today you would say, I have never had a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. I wasn't even sure that was possible. But today, let me just speak to your heart for a minute because it is possible. You don't have to be alone anymore. The isolation that you're feeling is a lie straight from the enemy. You have a family of people around you. They want to help you and encourage you. I want to show you the way to Jesus. Jesus paid the price 2,000 years ago on the cross. There's no more barriers between you and God anymore, between you and his church. We're not judging you or condemning you. That's not our job. We just want to show you Jesus. But today, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, maybe for the first time or it's been a while, and you know you need to come back into right relationship with him. Would you just raise your hand? I want to give my life to Jesus. Anybody like that here today? I don't want to move on before we give you this opportunity. I want to give my life to Jesus. Okay, maybe today you would say, I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I hear it in this very Pentecostal church occasionally, but I've never actually gone for it. Today, I'd like to ask the Holy Spirit to come into my life. I'm not going to do a big altar call where we all run to the front and we pray for an hour. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Those moments are beautiful, but it doesn't have to be that. You can literally just on your way home be baptized in your car. I've actually heard of that happening recently here. Somebody goes home, and on their way home, they say, Holy Spirit, use me, and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit right there in their car. I've heard of people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit at home in their prayer closets, all alone, just them and Jesus. But today, you want to commit to asking. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to baptize me with this power and fire to reach the lost and to step into my purpose. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to ask the Holy Spirit into my life to baptize me. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Lastly, maybe you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you know you haven't been doing the work to get ready for when that next wave comes. You haven't maybe obeyed the last thing the Holy Spirit asked you to do. And today you want to commit yourself to get to work so that when the next wave comes, you're ready. And be faithful with the little things that God has given you. Stepping into your purpose so far, what he's asked you to do. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I need to get to work. Awesome. Thank you. You can put those down. Father, we pray for every single hand raised today. Every single partner in ministry you just gave us, honestly, because you want to empower us to do the work of ministry, because you want to see lost souls saved even more than we do. 
Father, we thank you and we praise you for what you're going to do in this church this year. Thank you for calling us to be a vibrant, passionate, selfless church and for calling us to change the world with a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fb.church slash in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. Help us to give life change to those who are wandering around in the dark right now, so desperately need help and a purpose, a vision for their life. Father, we thank you for allowing us, us imperfect human being people, to participate in your plan. Thank you for giving us a purpose. Thank you for giving us souls to save. Help us be worthy of that mission and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.